Hi Redeemer family and friends and if you're tuning in and are a guest at church, welcome. My name is Hugh, I'm one of the leaders here and I've got the privilege today of kicking off our Pray 21 series. We're going to be preaching for four Sundays on prayer um, and the first and last Sunday bookend 21 days of prayer and fasting where we're encouraging you and us together as a church to pray together, to pray personally and to fast if you can do that. There's resources on our website on the Pray 21 page or simply on the Pray page and you can find resources that will help you pray, that will give you prompts and hints and a focus for each day this week. Just go to redeemerchurchcolchester.org forward slash Pray 21. I, I think looking at prayer is always good, but particularly at the start of a year and particularly when we are planning our lives as much as we can at the moment, and especially in times that we're living in now of lockdown and of pressure. And what I'm going to do today is quote a lot of scripture um, and add a few thoughts in. I want scripture to do the heavy lifting. Most of us are convinced that prayer is good and we need to do it. But for whatever reason, it doesn't catch our hearts and we don't um, build it into our lives and we really struggle with it. So if that's you, whether you struggle with prayer, you've never prayed, you love praying, this series will do you a lot of good. So please listen to the sermons, take notes, writing, physical writing helps us absorb the information so much better than anything else. Take notes, think about it, dwell on it, build it into your lives. Don't just listen to the sermon. Get involved in a life group if you're not. Pray with others during this season. Today I'm looking at the privilege and the priority of prayer. We're going to look at it the other way actually. The priority and the privilege of prayer. So I'm going to pray and then we'll dive in. Father, at the start of this year, as we come to look at what your word says about prayer and ask for an impartation of fresh faith, of fresh hunger, of fresh yearning for us to pray. God, help us pray. Help us pray together. Help us pray personally. Help us praise. Help us call on you. Help us to pray and not lose heart as you call us to. And I pray for those who wouldn't call themselves Christians and have never gone on the journey and adventure of prayer. Would you help them to do so in Jesus' name? Amen. We're going to dive in. Firstly, the priority of prayer, we're going to look at two subheadings, personal prayer and together prayer. So personal prayer, making it a habit of life. God's purpose for you and for me is that we would be conformed to the image of his son, of Jesus. And so we need to look at what scripture says and dwell on what Jesus did with and about prayer. So here's your first barrage of verses for us to look at. They'll come up on the screen. Probably won't have time to catch up with all of them. Do check them out afterwards. Matthew 14 verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Mark 1 verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Luke 5 verse 15 to 16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to him and Wanted to be healed of their infirmity. So everyone's coming. He's popular. It's successful. Verse 16. But he would withdraw 
to a desolate place and pray. Luke 6 verse 10 to 12. After looking around at them, all, all he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. This is someone Jesus had healed. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So Jesus is healing people. Some of them love him. Some of them are plotting against him. There's this pressure. Verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Verse 13. When day came he called his disciples and he then chose his disciples. Luke 18 verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's just some of the scriptures. And I told you there'll be a lot today. But again and again, we see Jesus prioritizing personal prayer. And you see in these verses, three things, Christ's example of prayer, the context of his prayer, and thirdly, the command to pray. So firstly, his example is that he would pray alone. He would be regular in his prayer. He would be responsive in his prayer. He would pray the context of it was that he would pray when he was being successful, seemingly. He would pray when the pressure was on. He would pray when he was alone. He would make time alone to pray. He would pray when he was with his disciples. He would pray when there were crowds. He would disappoint people so that he could pray. Jesus prioritized prayer in hugely significant ways. And then thirdly, you see this command to pray. Luke 18 verse 1. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. I mean, that's one of the big things about prayer, isn't it? That we can lose heart, that we get discouraged, we get despondent. We don't see anything happening. One of the topics, week three, we'll be looking at the perplexity of unanswered prayer. So make sure you tune in for that. But you have again and again... Jesus deliberately taking time to go and have personal prayer with his Father in heaven. It's inescapable. Spurgeon, who's a great wordsmith and a historical, beautiful teacher of the Bible, he said this. He says, if we are not constrained, compelled, feel the need to pray, I question whether we could even live as Christians. That's his quote. He's saying so important, so vital, even to Jesus is the priority of prayer. How can we live without it? Oswald Chambers says this. He said, we tend to use prayer as a last resort. But God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do. But God wants us to pray before anything else at all. We want to be a pray first people. Now, everyone listening will probably broadly fall into one or two groups. You find prayer easiest and comes most naturally when life is going well. You find you praise God, you enjoy being with it. When life is getting a bit tough, you harden up a little bit, you go internal, you get distracted, you focus on the issues and you kind of forget prayer. Or you fall into the other camp. When life is easy, you kind of forget about God. You know, you enjoy life, you, you're going out, you, you're watching, you're reading stuff, you're partying, you're having a good time, you're reading good books. And prayer kind of is not there. But when the pressure hits, in a really good way, <laughs> you turn to pray immediately. It's your first reaction when things are tough. Generally, people turn to pray either when things are easier or when things are tough. We want to be a pray first people when things are good, when things are bad, all the time. We want to like Jesus in every context, 
in every season of life be a prayer first people. So let me ask you some questions to get practical for with us. How can you prioritize personal prayer this year? And that really is a question of where and when. Throughout history, many Christians have affirmed the benefits of having a specific time and a specific place where you go and pray. Just as you probably walk in the door from work and go to the kitchen and put a kettle on or you go and change and get out of your work clothes to to change mode into being relaxed at home or you feed the cat or you do something that's become a habit for you and now you just do it every day most of the time. How can you prioritize personal prayer this year? Habit is the key to this. Jesus was in the habit of regularly praying. I personally want to commend to you starting your day with prayer. Mark 135 has been so happy. Early in the morning, Jesus got up to pray. I'm reading through the Psalms and Psalm 5 says, Early in the morning, I lay my requests before you and watch with anticipation what you will say. It's not the only way to pray. I want to encourage you to pray at the end of the day too. Get into the habit. So more than putting yourself under pressure for lengthy prayer, get into the habit of regular prayer. Prioritize it in your life, in your commute. So question number one, how can you prioritize personal prayer this year? And you'll be like, I've got it. I'm in a habit. I do pray all the time. Well done. How can you develop your prayer life even further? Adding a lunchtime, adding another slot, or increasing the range of things you pray for, or your recording of your prayers. Second question though, what is actually getting in the way and what will you do about it? If you're struggling to pray, what is actually getting in the way and what will you do about it? Think about internal and external factors. What are the things you blame on not having enough time or not getting around to pray? Or is it that you're watching too much TV? Is it that you're just not planning for it? You get to the end of the day, your life is so full and it's so busy. You're like, oh, the one thing I haven't done is pray. (laughs) You're too tired and you fall asleep. Um, Nothing wrong with falling asleep when you pray. It's good that you're praying. What are the external factors? Is it that you just haven't found a quiet place and you need to find another quiet place? And what are the internal factors? Is there despondency? Has your heart grown a bit weary because you're not sure prayer works or you haven't answered prayers or you're not sure whether God's listening? What is getting in the way and what can you do about it? And then third question, who can help you? Don't try and do all of this alone. Get people who will pray for you, that you'll pray, will encourage you, will check up on you, who will partner with you in getting the habit. Maybe you live near someone and you go for a walk at the same time every day or you can zoom in. Everyone's doing that at the moment. Make a plan. The priority of prayer, personal prayer, you can't escape it. It will be a lifeline for you, especially in this season. But secondly, when we talk about the priority of prayer, you also find in Scripture it's inescapable that praying together is vital. Together pray. As a church, the church should be a house of prayer. Look at this verse from Matthew chapter 21, looking at verses 12 to 13. Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Jesus comes into the temple 
and he sees what's going on. Okay, money changers are in the temple courts uh, using what should be the house of God for profit. And the thing that rises up in Christ, in Jesus, I mean, I'm not sure what I would have said. I walk in, say you walk into church one day and you just pick up that it, this church is a bit off piste. It's, it's all about money. It's all about prosperity. It's all about one thing. It's, it's, it's become political. What would you say? Hey, the church shouldn't be about this. The church should be about Jesus. The thing that rises up in him very deliberately, he says, my house should be a house of, say together, prayer. The church, the people of God, the spiritual house that we are built into should be a house of prayer. I found myself praying that we'd have a reputation that we're a house of prayer. Well, that's not even it. It's not about the reputation. It's about what we actually are, a house of prayer. I mean, this is a huge statement by Jesus. He deals with three, the up, the in and the out through the statement by saying here that it is my house. He's proclaiming to be God. (laughs) He's concerned with the glory of God, the house of God. He's saying, I'm God. That's a huge thing for Jesus to be saying. And in that he's saying that the glory of the church, the house, should be about God. Prayer, the house of prayer should be about God. It should be about witnessing to him. And also, it's about what the priority should be, prayer, and why we should be that. So just briefly, the money lenders are taking up space in the temple courts that were for outsiders, non-Jewish people, Gentiles, to come in and find and worship God. That's what the space was for. And they were money changing a place that should have been for outsiders to come in and worship God. Prayer is so powerful. Not just because of what it accomplishes through our prayers, but what it does in us. It expands our love for God. It expands our our missional heart that we make space for others. The more you pray, the more your heart catches the heart of God and the more you love others and each other in the church. The early church was a house of prayer. I'm going to read you just, again, a barrage of scriptures just from Acts. The epistles go on and talk about this. Together prayer, the church being a place of prayer. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's Acts 2.42, Acts 4.24-31. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God. And when they had prayed, after they had lifted their voices together, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts, two, Acts 12, 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Acts 13, 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Acts 14, 23, and when they had appointed elders from them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Last one, Acts twenty thirty six. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And I could go into the epistles. You you can't do church 
biblically without a significant emphasis, focus and practice on together prayer. It is not an optional extra for the church to organise, nor is it an optional extra for members to engage in. Prayer is not primarily about us, although it does us a lot of good. You see the priority of prayer here in Scripture. As PJ Smythe puts it, the rhythm of the early church was pray, live, pray, live. Their, pop, their pattern was pray, prayer, breakthrough, prayer, breakthrough. They prayed when there was peace. They prayed when there was crisis. They prayed to appoint leaders. They prayed to send out leaders. They were steadfast in prayer. They struggled in prayer. They knew prayer was a door opener for the gospel. They were devoted, earnest and urgent. They prayed on their knees. They laid on their hands. They fasted. They sang. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered with boldness and were at least once profoundly shaken. That's an exciting church to be part of. Not just because every prayer was answered immediately, but they gave themselves to something that united them to God and to each other. In these three to four weeks, but beyond that, let us be a house of prayer and zoom in to all that God has for us. You see what I did there? (laughs) Much of our prayer is going to be on Zoom. I just want to give a few tips on gathered prayer. I think, in my experience, gathered prayer is different to personal prayer. In personal prayer, it's you and God. There's a lot more. It's like having a conversation with one person. That's what personal prayer is. You listen, you talk, you listen, you still, you be attentive. Now, those are elements that can come into gathered prayer. But gathered prayer is is something like a, a, a gathering of people when we're all doing something social. And when you come together socially, there are no awkward silences between conversation, <laughs> are there? When you go around someone's house. Now, there's context where you are just being. But when we gather together for prayer, we're gathering purposefully. And some of the times that will be to hear from God. Some of the times that will be to be still. and Other times we will just worship A lot of our prayer gatherings are coming together to call on God, primarily. And in those social settings, if I say something and then there's a few moments silence before someone else says something, it can get awkward and it kind of breaks the conversation. We often finish each other's sentences in those settings. And one person's talking, the other gets in something they've heard. So I just want to really encourage you. It's difficult. Because we have to overcome concern and worry that we won't say the right things or we won't sound clever. And then we get into the spiritual muddle sometimes of, well, are, are my motives right? Should I, do I really want to be praying about this? Should I? But if you pray to God, he can sort out <laughs> your motive. Don't worry about that. So when we gather to pray, our problems should be interrupting each other, not waiting for each other. We've got lots to pray for. There are many things we can call on God for. So I just want to urge you, as you engage in the prayer things, don't worry what you sound like. Don't worry if you'll say the right thing. You are praying to God. Others will be encouraged by you. Let us us rightfully so all be jumping in to pray at the same time, making it a house of prayer. There's something about the number and weight of prayers in Scripture. As you read through the epistles, Paul would say, I've been aided by the prayers of many. So let's pray together. So you see how then you have this priority of prayer for personal prayer. And I want to urge you to make it a habit for your life. And then you have together prayer. Us becoming a house of prayer. Let's give ourselves to that, especially in the next three weeks.
But alongside the priority of prayer, we must dwell on the privilege of prayer. The priority is exciting when we consider the privilege of prayer. The priority of prayer, the command to pray, can be burdensome when we see it as anything other than privilege. Whilst prayer requires duty and it requires discipline, these are done knowing the privilege of it rather than it being an empty work. I love Spurgeon. I encourage you to write, read his writings on prayer and listen to his sermons. He says this. He, say, he says to pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. Prayer girds human weakness with divine strength. It turns human folly into heavenly wisdom and gives to troubled mortals the peace of God. We know not what prayer can do. If God's mercies come to us unasked, they would not be half so useful as they are now when they have been sought for. For now we get a double blessing, a blessing in the obtaining and a blessing in the seeking. The very act of prayer is a blessing. To pray is, as it were, to bathe oneself in a cool purling stream and to escape from the heat of the earth's summer sun. To pray is to mount on eagle's wings above the clouds and get into the clear heaven where God dwelleth. To pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to enrich oneself out of an inexhaustible storehouse. And I got to say yes and amen. Whilst I've had many seasons of drought and of dryness and a lot of lack of prayer. When I look back, many of my most memorable times have been in personal and together prayer. Times of intense spiritual warfare. When all I've really been able to do is to pray in tongues or simply cry oh god help me as i try to fall asleep or as i started the day because i was being crippled by pressure that was clearly brought on in terms of spiritual battle there were times of despair when my family broke up when i was a young man times of rejection and times of failure i was a real really insecure young man many times i've cried in despair prayer not much else other than just sobbing and sometimes with others and I've come out in, in peace and in comfort. There's been times where I've really hurt people, stuff I've said, stupid mistakes and I've seen the wickedness in me and prayer has been a refreshing deluge of grace as I've lifted my eyes from my failures and myself to the wonder who Christ is and taken hold, taken possession of his mercies. When provision and breakthrough has been needed, prayer has been my source, guiding me, comforting me, bringing forth. And even when it hasn't resulted in answers, it's brought contentment. You know, Paul, Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content. Prayer, prayer leads to that. Because even as we pray for things, we get God. And we learn contentment, even in the absence of those things. Since 18, since about 18, if not... Yeah, since about the age of 18, nearly every week, most weeks of the year, I have gathered early morning to pray with a group of people. Um, most recently, that's been the elders. We, we gather every week, well, not holiday times, probably like 40 weeks a year or something like that. Um, we gather every week early morning to pray together. Um, 
that's on a Thursday morning. Welcome you to join us. That's currently seven o'clock. There's times I've had to travel to pray at 5.30 in the morning, prayed at six o'clock. There have been various times. They have been the sweetest times I have known generally in prayer. Sometimes it's been in evening gatherings. We've lifted our eyes. We've had our souls satisfied. We've mourned with each other. We've grieved with each other. We've rejoiced with each other. We've repented with each other. Um, but despite even times of barrenness and dryness, those times have even been made sweet by the, the deluge that prayer brings. And so I want to, I really want to encourage you to dwell on the privilege of prayer. Many of us, even grown men especially, but also women, we, we look back and we, we long to know our Father's embrace affectionately again. Um, and we think, oh, it'd be quite nice to be an innocent child and just have my father hug me and love me. Um, some of you didn't have positive examples of being a father, but we need to uh, we need to reject those in terms of them being the image of our heavenly father. It's not easy, but it must be done if we do get through. Prayer is this beautiful privilege where, no how much weight you're carrying, how senior your position or otherwise, how independent you feel you have to be, you just get to rest in your father's embrace. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Our father it's an intimate it's an affectionate affirming providing hearing listening father who we come before what a privilege to pray we must throw out the notions of a distant driven unaffectionate disinterested god in the heavens if we're to grasp the privilege of prayer there's a beautiful song you may know it it's uh goes like or, or a phrase or a quote it says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And it goes on and it says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We get to carry it to him in prayer. We get to cry out to him in prayer. We get to come to him in prayer. And often needless pain we bear because we don't carry it in prayer. We try to bury it, we try to mask it, we try to distract it, we try to overcome it, we try to ignore it, we try to medicate it, we try to satisfy it in a myriad of ways. But we don't take it to him in prayer. Let's take all our cares to God in prayer. It's a privilege. And as you take your cares, you catch his heart, they find their context, you know his comfort, and actually you begin to find yourself praying for the world and for others. Your vision is expanded. Hebrews 4, 16, and I finish with this, says this, Let us then, brothers, sisters, let us then do this. Let us with confidence, not doubting, not wondering, not with insecurity, not tentatively, boldly, confidently, quickly, immediately. Let us, with confidence, draw near to the throne. It's mighty and powerful of grace. It's full of a father's tender heart. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So as we come to an end, I want to urge you to do that. 
personally and together. Let's be a people of personal prayer and let's be a house of together prayer where we come boldly. You know, when you come to a prayer meeting, you don't have to earn your stripes to call on God. Jesus has literally earned your stripes. When you come to a prayer meeting, you don't have to get yourself into a certain frenzy or place before you can call on God. You come to him and he helps you and he pours out his spirit and he helps you. Prayer is actually what gets you to that place where you're passionate and intimate with God. You don't have to try and get there before you come to prayer. Prayer is the beginning, it's the end, it's the journey. Prayer is to be our priority and it is an immense privilege. And so I want to ask you, please, please, please be there this Sunday evening as we gather to pray together. If you're a visitor looking in, you're so welcome. Let's gather together at Monday lunchtimes for prayer. Let's gather in our life groups on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday night for prayer. Let's gather on a Thursday morning for prayer. And in between those times, have personal prayer and prayer partners. I could have had another pre, partnering prayer. Find people you can walk with every couple of days or people you can Zoom with and pray with them in this coming three weeks and beyond that. May God richly pour his Holy Spirit on us that we would be a people of prayer. And if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you're thinking, I'm not sure about this prayer thing, but I find myself talking to someone. There must be something. I I want to encourage you, pray to God. Talk to God. Tell him what you're thinking. Ask him your questions and watch what he does. God bless you. Redeemer, looking forward to praying with you in the coming weeks and laboring with you. We might not be able to go into a building together as the church, but we are the church and we can gather together as best as we can online and we can pray together. Please be praying for our Sunday services online. Please be praying for our life groups. Please be praying for our three weeks of prayer. Who knows what God might do? God bless you. Have a great week.